Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are glad that you're here. Glad you're joining us here on episode 243. We're closing in on 250. That's crazy. Crazy when we started this a while back, two and a half years ago, something like that. Didn't know we'd, we'd get this far, but uh, really glad we're here. Glad you've gone on this journey with us. Hope this has been helpful to you. And, and whether this is your, your first time listening or you've been listening all along from the beginning, really do appreciate you being here. If you do like the show, would you mind subscribing to the show? That really helps us out. Also, don't forget to uh, leave us a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you may be listening to podcasts. Just drop that in there. We, uh, again, really do appreciate that. So uh, before we get to today's guest, uh, I've had a lot of questions lately from people who are asking, Grant, I'm a speaker at, a, at either brand new, getting started, or I've been at it for a little while and I'm trying to just get better and improve my systems and, and have more consistency with finding and booking gigs. And I would love to work with you. So you may be familiar with our Booked and Paid to Speak Elite program, which is a, a high-touch group program and one-on-one program where we work with you, myself, and our team to help you create a system for finding and booking gigs. So there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of done-for-you components as well. One of the things we do is we actually help find leads specifically for you. So we work with a, a VA, a domestic U.S.-based VA, to find leads specifically for you. We'll help you build your website, help you build your demo video. In fact, we have options to actually build those things for you. And so if that's something that you would be interested in, you'd like to uh, learn more about the Elite program and how we might be able to work with you, we'd love you to stop by and check out thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can apply to talk with uh, one of our team members and uh, we can talk through what you're looking for, where you need help and how we can best help serve and support you. So make sure you uh, check that out again at, uh, actually it's it's http colon backslash backslash www. Okay, just forget all that part. Uh, go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right. So today we're going to be talking with Sylvie De Justo, who is a, a phenomenal speaker and has an amazing accent and is just an all around amazing woman. And so a lot that we're going to get into and cover today, we're going to be talking about first impressions. This is something that Sylvie speaks a lot about in the, the corporate space. So we're going to be talking about as a speaker, how do we make the best possible first impression? Now, specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, appearance and personal branding and style and fashion. And I am someone that admittedly, I talk about this, that I, am clueless whenever it comes to all these things. But Sylvie does a great job of really demystifying it, making it simple to understand and giving us some really practical ideas and things to be thinking through. We talked through uh, the four people that need to respect as, as when you're thinking through what you're wearing. We're going to talk through, she gives a three S's that you need to be thinking through of what you wear on stage. She gives us an ABCD acronym at the end there of things that you need to be considering as a speaker in terms of just your overall personal brand. So just a lot of great content that Sylvie brings here to us today. So I'm going to shut up and uh, let's get to this conversation with Sylvie De Justo. Enjoy. 
Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by my friend Sylvie De Justo. Did I get it right? I think I got it right. Yes, yes, you okay. got it right. Congratulations. Good. Very good, very good. I had, I had a, I thought I was going to have to have a couple takes at it, but first try, we nailed it. So, Sylvie, thanks for hanging out with us today. First of all, why don't you give us a quick snapshot on uh, on who you are and how speaking fits into your business? As you might have noticed, I have a little bit of an accent. And that accent comes from a Spanish grandmother, an Italian grandfather, a French father, and an Austrian mother. And even with that handicap, I decided to become a professional speaker. <laughs> and it sounds that actually today it's very valuable for me, that accent. But uh, before that, I had a 20-year-long career in human resources, training and development. And I actually was on the other side for a very long time. I hired speakers, so I was a buyer, which today I really appreciate that sometimes I have that 360 degree view and can put myself more into the meeting planner or buyer mind than possibly others uh, do. Interesting. And actually, I want to come back and I want to talk about the accent because I get a lot of questions about that from speakers. But before we get there, so today, what do you typically speak about? Who do you speak to? And and how does speaking fit into your world? Mm -hmm. So I speak about first impressions. I help people understand what their first impression says about them and what impact it has on, for example, a customer decision-making process or what impact it has on how people perceive me in an organization as a leader or not. So I help them understand that the reality is that we judge each other and that has nothing to do with the fact if you're a good human being or a bad human being, if you're in your body or in the body of Mother Teresa, we all do it because our brain does it. There is... There are studies in behind that we know brain performance is happening in million moments at the beginning and we make major decisions about each other that we immediately decide is somebody successful, trustworthy, sophisticated, reliable, knowledgeable. And then unfortunately, confirmation bias is working against us because people want to be right. So they are looking for proof and they ignore anything that goes against their first initial opinion about you. Yeah. So this is when I help people understand, usually in my audience are either leaders, managers in organizations, mm-hmm. or salespeople or people that are somehow in a customer-facing role. How did you first get into speaking in the first place, and how did you land on this topic? Well, uh, so to go back to, to my accent, to, to figure that topic again, when I was five years old and people asked me, what do you want to be when you are grown up, right? The typical question that children always um, get. While others said, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a doctor, I want to become whatever. I did not say I want to become a professional speaker, but I said, I want to be an American. Really? Yes, yes. So I always lived that dream to to live here and work here. And I tried to do anything possible to make that happen. And it did never work out until I gave up. And in the most unexpected moment, an opportunity came up and I moved here with a nine-day-old baby, newborn on my lap. Wow. And then, well, first I was a mom for a while, right, for one year. And then I thought, what am I going to do with myself? And no, I cannot share that passionate story with you that my lifelong dream was to become a speaker. But I realized, well, I know two worlds, the corporate world, and either I go back there, or I know my world of speaking from the other perspective. Maybe I just change sides, right, and and. and try the the other side play for the other team yes play for the other team <laughs> so and you decided 
So you had been on the other side of putting on events, putting on trainings and bringing speakers in and working with speakers. So what made you decide like, I like, it almost seems like that literally or figuratively that the grass is greener on the other side. So what made you decide to start to go toward that direction? Well, I just didn't want to go back in, into corporate, into, you know, an HR team and, and starting all over here in the United States. And so I started out with trying to figure out what I actually could speak about, right? And for two years, I made the mistake most speakers make that don't listen to your podcast and don't learn from you and your amazing guests. I tried to serve anybody right so yeah. do you want me to speak about body language of course i'm going to speak about that do you want me to speak about sales of course do you want me to be a trainer a keynoter a facilitator an mc whatever you want me to be i'm going to be as long as you give me a check right right and that mistake well forced me to two years of not being very successful until Luckily, many people, friends, speaker, colleagues, mentors crossed my path and made me realize you need to be more specific what problem that you solve. And even if it's a tiny problem, like milliseconds, first impressions, this is where people then identify you as an expert and you can help them. So how did you narrow down to figure out the first impression was the topic that you wanted to go with? Because you described exactly what a lot of speakers face and deal with. I feel like the more topics I can speak to and the more audiences I can speak to that the more opportunities I have, although it really is counterintuitive that the more focused you are, the more opportunities that you can have. So how do you go from, I could speak about body language or leadership or customer service or sales or whatever it may be to I'm going to narrow down and I'm going to double down on this one specific topic of first impressions. How did you land on that? versus all the other different options that exist? Trial and error. Yeah. An empty bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, great friends, speaker colleagues, who were very tough on me with a lot of questions they asked me, which made me realize I have to be more specific. And still, I'm, I'm still refining. I think the reality is that this job is never done. It is never done. You always refine and maybe you extend at one point again into a different topic and then find out. I'm telling you that what I thought I'm going to speak about years ago, the audience members I mentally saw in my audience have nothing to do with who I serve today. It is just a process that I think you have to go through. And the more help you get from experts and from people outside your world, the better for you and the faster you're going to be. But there is, I don't think that there is a shortcut. So there's not from day one, you're like, all right, it's going to be the first impressions lady and I'm going to go down that path and that's all in and it's all going to magically work out. It's just kind of, this is what I know at the moment and I can't see, but a few feet in front of me. And so I'm going to roll with whatever it may be and just kind of evolve and pivot and change. And so today it may be, you know, you're, you're focusing more on first impressions uh, a year or a couple years from now. It may be something dramatically different as your business kind of evolves. So how do you take some of that pressure off? Because I think a lot of speakers feel like I need to know from day one what it's supposed to be. And I need to know that that's going to be the thing that I do forever and ever and ever. And we make it almost like this permanent thing versus it is kind of this evolutionary thing where we're kind of figuring it out as we go. So early on for you, how did you take some of the pressure off of feeling like, I'm going to try this path and we'll see if it works, but I'm going to learn something and it may work, it may not, but eventually I'm going to kind of land where I may end up being for a little bit longer. So Mm -hmm. how did you take some of the pressure off of yourself in that process? Well, um, I wish I could tell you how to take the pressure off. What I did is at one point you just need to commit to, you need to commit to something. Yeah. 
that people, when we have a lot of referral business in our industry, mm -hmm. yep. and when you and I now think of a leadership speaker, chances are high that we actually have the same three names in our mind, right? When we think about a sales speaker right now, chances are high that you and I and the audience have the same three names. And I just know when somebody says, do you know somebody who could talk about first impressions, perceptions, bias, then I want to be one of those three people who yeah. pops up in others' minds. And that only happens if you at one point commit to something and embed that anywhere in your marketing and anywhere in your promotional materials and anywhere in others' brains. So I want to talk a little bit on the, the accent piece. This is something that we, we've touched on a little bit. Again, this is a question I get from a lot of speakers, either who have an international accent or yeah. who are, let's say, located in the US in a different part of a regional accent that they can oftentimes view as a hindrance or a handicap. And you said you felt like that early on, but view it more as an asset now. So mm -hmm. kind of talk us through what was that like early on and how have you kind of made that mental shift? So um, I was lucky that somebody forced me into a mental uh, shift. Um, one day I got a call from a big, big, big uh, TV station here in New York City. And they said, can you come into our studio and talk about a governor who ran for a very important other office uh, here in the United States? And I said, yeah, of course, right? Media, who, who doesn't want to walk into a studio and be on TV? So I walked in there and it was a political show and next to me there were all those well-spoken political experts who all used those very sophisticated words that basically I didn't understand, right? Sure, sure. So and they invited me again and again and again and I became a regular guest every week and when I watched the show in the evening, oh my God, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. I hated it, right? There were all those well-spoken people and then in the middle of it, me that accent so after a few months it was holiday party they invited me and i was sitting together with the uh, executive of the producer and that's exactly what i said to him i said after a while to him during the conversation i have no idea why you invite me it is horrible when i hear myself and when i see myself on the tv i really don't understand why you invite me again and again and again and again with that accent yeah and he said that's the reason why we invite you. Hmm. Because first, you sound like an international expert. And second, you say things so simple that every single of our audience members understands you while they don't understand the others. Hmm. And that was my breakthrough moment when I realized that because then I looked also in my clientele into my audience and realized that most often I get hired by big, big, big brands, Fortune 500 companies for conferences where they fly in all their team members from all over the world, very international audiences. Yeah. And most often in the testimonials and the feedbacks that I receive from my audience members, they love that I have bring a very complex topic to them in a very simple way. Yeah. Nowadays, I think it has become my asset and I blow it into their face right at the beginning when I walk on the stage and I immediately you know, make a joke about it mm -hmm. so that it's out of the room and yep. that they're going to get probably 20 grammar errors for free. Well, while I say there is a difference between when I'm on stage because then I just blur it out, right? And it's gone, mm -hmm. it disappears. Well, but here, for example, now we 
we um, record a podcast or with videos, I see it a little bit different than I'm more focused to making sure because that's an imprint that I'd leave forever somewhere on the internet. So right. long story short, if you have an accent, I would not be worried at all as long as the accent is in a way that people actually understand you, right? Right, right. But I would totally make it my asset. I wish I would have known that before, long before, but that's the gift that executive producer gave me. Do you find that because of the accent that you have to do anything differently as a speaker to make sure that the audiences can understand you? Meaning, do you have to slow down? Do you have to enunciate more? Do you have to, is there anything that you mentally are doing as you're speaking just to be more aware of that? Yes and no, but um, the audience gets actually used to your accent, mm-hmm. right? It, it takes a few minutes until you warm them up. And it is one of the reasons that I immediately announced it at the very beginning that I cannot fix that mess the next 90 minutes, right? <laughs> it's going to stay here in this room. <laughs> and usually it creates a big laugh and it's out there. And they know, I mean, obviously I'm aware of it. And breaks the tension. I just bring it to their intention and done, move on. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. All right. So one of the things that uh, you speak about, obviously, like we talked about is first impressions. And uh, another topic that I know gets raised with you a lot for speakers is the topic of attire and fashion and dress Mm -hmm. and style. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I am admittedly clueless whenever it comes to this. All right. So uh, we all desperately need your help, Sylvie. So one of the things we were talking a little bit about about beforehand is we'll we'll get into kind of the the do's and don'ts of how a speaker should dress. But there's really like two approaches to this. There is the when you get up on stage, how you look, how you dress, what that style is and what that speaks to the audience. But before you get on stage, you have to get hired. And oftentimes you're you're not meeting a potential event planner in person for them to make any type of assumptions or judgments about you. They are seeing you online and they're looking at video or they're looking at your website. And so for a speaker who's going, okay, I want to make sure that I make a good impression in terms of visually, in terms of how I look, what are some of those first steps that we need to be thinking through and, and considering and even being aware of? Mm-hmm. Well, most often speakers and a lot of audience members and, and people ask me about their attire and what they wear. And I say, don't you worry right now, you have around 20 issues before we talk about that, right? Because your first impression nowadays, in most cases, you make them online. So I want you to first consider what impression do you make via your website, via your video, with the pictures that you use, uh, with the fonts, with the colors, with the music, with everything, everything that they experience when they experience you somewhere online first, right? Because then they decide if they're going to hire you or not hire you. And really not very often does it have anything to do with the fact what you wear, right? So instead, uh, I want you to first look into your digital footprint and then realize, well, based on my digital footprint, somebody's going to make the decision to hire me or not. And then if they hired you, luckily you walk on a stage and then you make an imprint again on your audience. And there it's very simple. There are four people that you have to show respect to. And the first one is you yourself because you represent yourself. And I would never, ever recommend you as a speaker to dress in a way that is not authentic to yourself because you don't do yourself a favor mm-hmm. and uh, you don't do the audience a favor because they are going to be irritated. It doesn't, you know, it, you just don't appear authentic to them either. 
So that might be a Scott Stratton in black jeans and black t-shirt and a man bun. That might be others in cowboy boots. That might be others in uh, tennis shoes. Whatever it is, stay mm -hmm. authentic. Stay true to yourself. However, you also have to realize you represent the meeting host. Mm -hmm. right? The moment you walk out, the meeting host is the one who chose you, the buyer. Right. And you have to realize They are going to judge that person too based on how you appear and behave and communicate from the stage. It's not only about you. Right. Obviously, there is also your audience. And sometimes we talk to audiences, different generations, different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds. And there might, things, there might be things that you might want to adjust. It doesn't mean that you have to dress up and be somebody else, but mm -hmm. you want to show them that you realize that their world is a little bit different than yours, right? Mm -hmm. And last but not least, don't forget them because we cannot do what we do without them. Your AV team, mm -hmm. you know, your audiovisual team that is there to support you. Yeah. But there are some things that we do sometimes that make their job much harder, right? Related to sound, related to shiny objects, related to everything that is distracting. Right can help upfront if you just think it through. So those are the four kind of people that you, you should think about yourself, you should think about your meeting host, you th think about the audience and think about the AB team. And then it's very simple. Do your homework. Do your homework like always. I mean, you ask your buyer so many questions. Why not ask, what is the stage setup? What is the background? Uh, is it a high stage? Is it a low stage? And all has impact on what you should pick to wear, right? Is it a front view? Is it a side view? Is it a bottom view that might have impact on the colors also that you choose? And then, honestly, your best designer is confidence, no? There is no better designer than uh, confidence. Whatever makes you feel like the freaking rock star that right. you are, wear it. If it doesn't make you feel good about yourself, uh, the audience is not going to feel good about you either. Yeah. And yes, and then there are a few practical things. So let's talk about the practical things. You always want to avoid shine, big shiny things, because that is just distraction. Mm -hmm. Because we have a lot of light on us, right? You always want to avoid sound, everything that makes noise on you. And that could be jewelry, that could be fabrics, that could be your shoes, that could be anything that makes sound other than your voice, right? And you always want to avoid anything that makes, that stresses you, right? That makes you nervous because something is wrong, something pulls on a wrong quarter or something, you know, avoid any distraction for any price. Right? And um, uh, to come back, by the way, to the lightning, another practical advice, I mean, stage light is tough, it's horrible on us. So makeup is, is really important and not only for women, also for, for men, because you, especially if you get video recorded, you want to watch that video for a very long time and potentially thousands of people are going to see that. So you just right. want to feel great about you. And last but not least, think about the things that you carry on you, that you have with you. Where do I put my, my microphone pack? Where do I put my phone? If you interact with them somehow like I do, I have a lot of engaging interactive um, th um, things that I, I do with my audiences. Think it through. Do your homework. Yeah. 
Okay. You said a bunch of good things there that I want to, I want to kind of come back on and, and talk through. So as it relates to how we dress, one yeah. of the things that you mentioned is, yes, you have the onstage side of it, but then you also just have kind of the, the personal brand of it. How should we be thinking about that? I mean, I know that there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like you mentioned, uh, the meeting host and the audience and just how we feel about ourselves. But there are, because there's different approaches, meaning that like you mentioned, like a Scott Stratton who says, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear a black polo and I'm going to have a man bun. I'm going to wear jeans. It doesn't really matter if I'm speaking to a group of entry level uh, employees or if I'm speaking to a bunch of CEOs, I'm going to wear the same thing regardless. And this is who I am. And if you like it, mm-hmm. cool. And if not, take it or leave it. Versus someone else who may say, I'm going to wear a suit all the time or someone else that says, I choose to match the audience and what they're wearing or be a step above the audience. uh, So I'm more relatable with them. So how do we just think even big picture about what we should or shouldn't wear? Because it's, I think it's oftentimes it's easy to look at someone who they're like, I'm going to wear this no matter what, like a Scott or another speaker, perhaps who just pretty much wear the same thing regardless. And it's easy to feel like, well, they can get away with that because they are, XYZ speaker, or they have a big name, or they've been at it for a long time. So how should speakers at any level be thinking about these of how we should be dressing what that personal brand and style should be for us? Yes. So first of all, you need to be consistent in what you do. And to go back to a post that we pick him here, but he has such a, you know, such a unique look. That is Scott Ormes. Ormes. However, the reality is that is well thought out and he earned that over the years. So really successful speakers with a very unique look. They didn't just come out one day and said, that is my look. They earned yeah. it, right? Over the years, they developed that. And it's very purposeful. It's very thought through, right? To give you another example, we all know a very famous person that was famous for always wearing a black turtleneck and jeans on stage or wherever you saw him, right? And we thought that's uh, Steve Jobs' uniform. Uh, And he was such a creative mind that he didn't have time to bother about what he's wearing. Mm -hmm. Those were custom-made, handmade turtlenecks. Hmm. That doesn't sound to me like somebody who doesn't bother about what to wear, right? So usually those looks are very well thought out. They use them consistently and it's part of their brand. And if you have something like that, oh my God, go for it and break all the rules, but be still respectful. And I'm telling you to come back, I would assume Scott, if he speaks to an audience who either doesn't respect his look, he would say, that's not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend another speaker for that gig. Yeah. Or he would slightly adjust and say, well, for religious reasons, they have an issue with my tattoos. I'm telling you, he would probably be the first person who, who would respectfully cover them for that one gig with a long sleeve t-shirt or whatever, yeah. right? But it would still be Scott. He wouldn't dress up. He wouldn't wear a suit just to serve them because if right. they ask him for that, for many reasons, other than just the clothing, he would probably say, I'm not a good fit for your conference. I, I cannot serve your audience. Yeah. For most speakers who don't feel like, okay, I don't really have that personal brand. Or I don't feel like I have that look, that consistent look yet. I'm still trying to figure out what that could be. Is it best to just tend to match the audience? Meaning if uh, whenever you're talking with a potential client, if they say the whole audience is going to be in more formal business wear, or if they say more, you know, business casual, or if it's more casual or whatever it may be that you're, you're pretty much just going to match the audience or as you're figuring that out, what should you be wearing? 
I would rather focus on figuring it out. What is your signature look and what do you stand for? And what do you want people to think of when they experience you immediately? Because we are visual creatures. Yeah. 90% of information in our brain gets transmitted in a visual way. So what they are going to do is they just look at you and they think they know something about you. And that's your first impression that you make on them. So I would rather work on that signature look and make it part of my branding and, and, and work on my, my speaker brand. But the reality, I always want people to be aware, looking good is great, but it's not enough. It's just one of the many, many, many thousands of elements you have to think through when you work on your brand. So you are someone who is very... Uh, like you have a very good sense of style and you understand those things. My wife is like that. She's, she's beautiful and does a good job of picking out clothes and making it look like, wow, that looks like it was thrown together, but it was also amazingly beautiful. I don't know how you did that. Whereas for me, and I'm sure a decent number of people, we're clueless whenever it comes to this stuff. So whenever it comes to the topic of figuring out what that personal style or that personal brand should be, I know that's just, that's tough for a lot of speakers, uh, just for a lot of people, myself included. So what would you say to us in terms of how do you go about and figure that out? Like what that should be or shouldn't be for you based on what you speak about, based on who you are, based on, you know, the audience that you speak to, where do we begin with something like that? So whenever you are not good at something, what do you do? Probably talk to people who are smarter than me about ah, it. And then you outsource it, Right. Yeah. So get help. If that is not your superpower, then get help from somebody who has that superpower. And in this case, this could probably be an image consultant or a branding expert. Um, not a big fan of anything like fashion stylists, wardrobe stylists, yeah. because it's not about fashion trends. It's about branding. What message do you send when you walk on stage, when they experience you on the airport, on the airplane, in a restaurant, in a networking meeting, anywhere, 24-7, because you also need to realize you cannot have just a stage look, right? We are on stage 24-7. We are on stage 24-7 in a digital way. Yeah. So you make a good point there of there's the on stage, which is a very, very, very small percentage of your you know, business and your career and your professional life. Uh, and, but there's a lot of interactions off stage. So like you mentioned at the restaurant or you're at the hotel or you're in the, you know, going down to the hotel lobby to get breakfast or whatever it may be, uh, or at the airport, how much should we be considering brand awareness and, and personal branding in those type of like just kind of casual relaxed environments or you know you're going to the grocery store any of those type of, of things so like I guess like what's the what's the line between like the personal of just like I'm literally just want to go to the store in my pajamas and I don't really want to care about it versus like okay I'm quote-unquote on and I need to I, I'm I may be in a situation where I may interact or, or run into someone and I want to make sure that I'm I'm representing my brand well so is there a line there that we should be thinking through? Or is it just like, hey, we're just always on and that's part of what we signed up for? Or how, how do we best think about that? I would recommend that you somehow think that you are on all the time, that there is not a line because at any given moment, you could meet somebody who is either a potential buyer or an audience member or how often did we run into somebody. Also, your reputation is not what people tell you to your face. It's what they say behind your back, right? Mm -hmm. It also involves your neighbors, your family members, your, the people you know in your community. So you are on all the time. 
Does that mean Gucci 24-7? No, I wish it would mean that, right? I wish it would be the case. <laughs> but uh, now there are different varieties. Of, you know, there is casual and casual, for example. Most people uh, think that casual means you don't have to care anymore. And that is just plain wrong. It just looks very different than formal wear. That's all. And you you are on stage and you represent your company and your brand 24-7. Yeah. So big picture, just to kind of put a bow on this, clothing is certain, and attire is certainly part of that, but it's just one small part of the bigger equation mm-hmm. of how we need to be making sure that we're representing ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is just one part. And I call it the ABCD. The A stands for your appearance. And then people usually think about clothing. And yes, it's part of it. And it includes, you know, your you know, the fabrics that you choose, the colors, the style, the fit. But first and foremost, it starts with the suit you're born in, your body. Mm. Because that's the first visual um, picture that you create. How much yeah. do you take care of your body? Does it look healthy? Is it in shape? Uh, that's usually what we charge first. And all the details, accessories, jewelry, hair, makeup. So the visual picture that you create, your appearance, your A. But looking good, as I said, is, not, is great, but not enough. At one point, you're going to be for behave. Your attitude is the first thing that speaks uh, to people without even saying a word. You, you speak with your attitude. It might be positive or negative. You, you, yeah. you make that decision, right? Your body language. How do you carry your body around? How do you sit? How do you stand? How do you walk over the stage? How do you use your body as an instrument on stage? Your business etiquette skills, your social etiquette skills. Did you walk out the elevator first or last in the conference hotel elevator where you met audience members or potentially the meeting planner and you didn't even know did you greet them did you shake their hands did you look into their eyes are you on your phone those are all things that people micro moments that they use to judge you and make decisions based on that and then obviously what you say see your communication how you start conversations for example and how you end them and how you use your voice we have to be aware that uh, our voice is, is a very important tool. It's like an instrument that we play every single day. And we play it quite loud in front of right. microphones, right? Right, right? And most of us never learn how to play that instrument. We just play it. Yeah, every true. Every time we walk out, right? So your communication skills. But again, all of that doesn't matter if you don't work on your D, the last one, which is your digital footprint. Because most often nowadays... We make a first impression in a digital way, and that includes your email, your social media, your website, everything that we find online in, in a way that it is touchable and visible. So you really leave that footprint obviously in behind, but there are also things in between that lines, that footprint that most people are not aware. How much time do you spend online? How often do you post? Who do you endorse? Who do you not endorse? Who's on your friends list? Why do you only have 300 friends? Why do you have 30,000, but uh, none of them interact with you? So there is a lot of, you know, in between the lines messages that uh, the speakers send where very often people are not aware about. 
Interesting. Very, very interesting. So appearance, behavior, communication, and the digital footprint, all of them go into, and, and again, the, the appearance part of it, the clothing and attire side is just a, a subset of the appearance. There's a yes, lot yes, that goes yes, into yes. making these, these first impressions. So Sylvia, this has been incredibly insightful and helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to share this with us. If people want to find out more about you, uh, where can we go? Please go on my website, sylviedichusto.com. Find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn, find me at my online course, which is howyouimpress.com. Find me anywhere. And if there is one thing I'm really passionate about is then it's helping others. And if you have any questions that are somehow related to first impressions, I want to be the first one that you reach out to. Awesome. Sylvia, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate you. All right, there you go. I told you it was good. Wasn't that good? My goodness. Sylvia, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you uh, sharing all of that goodness with us. Again, make sure that you check out Sylvia uh, online and check out her digital footprint and uh, the online space. So she's a phenomenal, phenomenal lady. Like I mentioned, uh, if you're interested in working with us and having uh, myself and our team work with you and helping you build and grow your speaking business, you'd like to have a conversation with us about what that might look like, then definitely stop by and check out thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com dot com slash apply. would love to chat with you and love to learn more about what you're looking for in your speaking business and how we can uh, help serve and support you. All right. We'll catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome.